With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the show as we get set for the weekend and ITV's coverage of Saturday. I'm holding off and calling it Super Saturday because if we end up with a repeat of last week where they all come out, Deary, deary me. Anyway, Thomas Kennedy alongside Time Forms, Mark Milligan. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hello. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting Saturday. I wasn't watching the racing live last Saturday. I was at, at Hillsborough watching Sheffield Wednesday. But prior to kickoff, I was watching all the, the drama unfold on Twitter as horse after horse just came out. Uh, ask it, uh, dearie me, it was, it, was a, it was a dark day, wasn't it? I mean, the thing is, there probably wasn't a whole lot that they could have done about it at Ascot, but this is something that's happened at Leopardstown, and Leopardstown got a right bashing from Gordon and from Willie and Henry last year, and that continued into the Dublin Racing Festival, and it is stark, the similarities between the two. It's it's dark that this is happening again in a, in a different track. So maybe they're going to have to look at the watering policy, and look at the bigger situation overall, but far from ideal. Far from ideal. And I had friends who were there, and they they would have preferred it if it, would, if it had been cancelled. Which I challenged them on. It was like, come on, you must have enjoyed seeing Goshen win. And they said, paying that amount of money to go to a race course for a full day's racing that ends up being 
a match, uh, a walkover, and you can only have an each-way bet, one, two, three, in two of the seven races, no thanks. No thanks whatsoever. Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. Um, and before we do the full preview, we're going to dive straight into a race because we've got a brand new syndicated game and it's time to play. That's not the theme. From downtown Chicago and coming in your ears, it's racing's favorite game, Willy or Yeah, welcome back to the studio. It is the spin-off of the hugely successful Willy Mullins Bingo. This is Willy or Wonty, and we're playing Constitution Hill. Our defending champion is back from last week, Mark Milligan. Mark, you happened to say last week, I'm not so sure this fella's going to turn up. I'll believe it when I see it. And he didn't turn up. So, Willie or Wonty, Constitution Hill, fighting fifth. You can double your money here. What are you going to go with? I'm not absolutely convinced, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I think the ground on the hurdles course at the time we're recording this, I think, is good to soft. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm in the north of England, but I'm a couple of hours south of Newcastle. Um, it's been it's been raining pretty hard here for the last couple of hours. Um, look, there, there shouldn't be any issue with the ground, should they, up there? It's Newcastle. It's the end of November. The ground is not going to be unsafe jumping ground up there. I, I don't think there's an excuse for Naughty Nicky to be pulling Constitution Hill out here unless... Unless, and this is the elephant in the room, unless JP McManus doesn't want Constitution Hill taking on Epitont, and, mm. and then what happens? Yeah, I, I spoke with Aidan Coleman today for TalkSport, and we've released it as a separate podcast as soon as the interview went out. So he's excited about Epitont. Um, he's going on Constitution Hill in the same way that you and I are, and that he doesn't write work on him, and, and that he's been, he's been breathtaking in what he's done, but... He's on the dual winner of this race and a multiple grade one winner in her own right. And he's he's reasonably confident about it. And, and he thought the ground would be okay, but didn't you know, wasn't prepared to say too much about it until he's there, which I, I completely respect. Uh, it was a really good interview. I That's understandable. Very much enjoyed talking to him. But Nikki pulled the horse out on good ground at Ascot. And when Lee McKenzie was looking at the forecast, he said it's dry for the next few days mm. in Newcastle, that you might be getting rain where you are, in up in Yorkshire, but apparently no rain forecast for Newcastle. So <laughs> we are pretty much back to the same thing again, my friend. Will he or won't yeah, he? Yeah, I'm just looking, I'm just looking on um, weather app on my phone now as we speak, and uh, sunny intervals, 10 degrees tomorrow, dry again, Saturday, mm. 10 degrees. <sighs> You know, it's it. It would just be a farce if the horse gets pulled out this time. You, ground does not dry out particularly quickly at this time of year, even if we're not getting rain. I, I think some of the comments that were attributed to the trainer over the weekend. Oh God! People not in a good way. That thing he said on uh, Sky. Look, we where we just want to see this. Yeah, the, the thing he said on Sky, where he basically suggested that he should be warned off had he run the horse at Ascot. I have no problem with him taking the horse out. Nicky Henderson wasn't the first trainer to pull a horse at Ascot. He wasn't the last one to pull a horse at Ascot on Saturday. 
Uh, and the fact that Edward Stone and L'Ompresse both came out as well sort of backed up his decision. Was like, Look, that's that's fair enough. Mm. If that's what you think, Alan King saying that he's taken horses to Ascot and they've been jarred up the next day. Why were you going there in the first place then? It'd probably be my question about that. But if you wanted to to see what the ground was like and see if everything was okay, I mean, this is becoming a recurring thing now with Alan King. Um, the whole will they, won't they with him as well. But I, I didn't have that much of an issue with Nicky and I thought it was a little bit harsh that he was the one who was getting bashed around. That, you know, it was Alan King and Venetia Williams had pulled horses. And I almost feel as though what he said on Sky was trying to combat what Nichols had said. That Nichols had just pulled the pin on the grenade and lobbed it in. Now, this is a guy who took a horse out of the match race, or what would, what would become the walkover. He pulled a horse out of that walkover race. But there was no talk about that. It was just, ah, uh, yeah, some trainers don't want to run. And you don't win anything by sitting in your barn. You don't win anything just sitting in the horse box. You know, let them run. Um, he pulled Brave Man's Game on on RSA Day or Turner's, whatever the hell it's called these days. Um, so Nichols is prepared to take horses out if he feels that things aren't right. But he's also far more prepared to run a horse than Henderson is. Yeah. And Paddy Aspel said something on Monday, which I would reiterate. It's almost as though Paul Nichols is looking for an excuse not to run. Nicky Henderson is looking for an excuse to run. And that's a really strange way to be behaving when you're an elite trainer and you've won so much and you've achieved so many great things. But I, I didn't have an issue with him taking constitutional out because clearly something wasn't right at Ascot on, on the Saturday. However, to then come out and say what he said on Sky, that he would have been warned off if, had he run the horse, should have been warned off if he, had he run the horse. Nicky, there are people who are trying to destroy this sport and you've just given them a quote that they can now weaponize and use for as long as they want. And they'll do it. They will do it. Yeah. Nicky Henderson tells you the truth. Horse racing is scum and horses shouldn't run. Like, that's, that, that's what they're going to do now. Peter, a loving life. He needs to be way more careful about what he says. He, he has a res he's yeah, held to a higher standard than most. And when he speaks, people listen. It was a bizarre thing to say. Really bizarre. I tell you what, just just on a, a an aside to this, what do you think about Newcastle currently watering their good to soft ground? Is this the world we're in now, where where, where Clarks feel they need to water perfectly decent jumping grounds to make sure that the top trainers don't pull their star horses out? The, the ground officially is good to soft, soft in places on the chase course at Newcastle, and Newcastle are watering. How do we feel about that? It's just, it's the reality of life these days now, isn't it? That's just how it is. Like, you're never going to have a good ground Cheltenham Festival ever again. That's Cheltenham, that's just the way it is now. That's the way that's done. They don't want good ground there. They mm. want it soft. And they did so much that it actually resulted in a bog on the Wednesday. But yeah. they need to, to come up with a balance for that. But that's, that's Cheltenham and that's March. As for racing in general, most tracks want soft ground. And that's, I get it from the perspective of welfare, and obviously welfare is paramount in racing. Don't jump down my throat. Of course it is. But if you look back at the conditions that horses were running in in the noughties and the 2010s, pretty recently, we don't even have to go back to 19 dickety-doo. A lot of those tracks were good ground, and there weren't 
massive fatalities. It's just become this... Richie Forrestal described the current whip rules as a paranoia within British racing. Nobody else is advocating for this. Nobody else is is calling for massive rule changes for the whip, except a small minority of people who've got it into the BHA's heads that they must act on the whip. There's nothing to be done with that. There's nothing to be done with it at all. Um, and that same kind of mentality seems to have crept in to clerks of the course and possibly the BHA as well to try and insist on having soft ground at their, at their, at their tracks. And... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The irony of that is what happened at Ascot on Saturday, the fact that there was good ground. Um, you're going to have good to soft here. But there's been plenty of times where this meeting was, was along those lines. It's unusual. Of course it's unusual. But there's been plenty of times where it was. Do you know what the going was in 2020? And I just randomly clicked on this. The going in 2020 when Epitant won was good. Now, Epitant's not in contention to be taken out of this race. But come on. It's not. That was two years ago. It was good to soft last year. It's not something to be concerned about. We don't need to be panicking about this. It was heavy ground in 2018 uh, when Boover won it soft. So that's pretty much what every track wants these days. Uh, and soft the, the first year he won it as well. But the last two have been good and good to soft. Just, ugh, I don't know. I'm wondering with, with Constitution Hill if there's been a complete about turn from Nikki, in that... If you're going to go for the Fighting Fifth, does this now mean you're going to go for the Christmas Hurdle as well? There doesn't seem any reason not to now. We, we sort of mooted the possibility last week, didn't we, that he wanted to keep Constitution Hill and Epitome apart. Well, presuming they both run on Saturday, then there's no reason why they shouldn't both run at Christmas as well if they both run their races, is there? Mm. Um, it, I suppose a lot will depend on, on the result and what actually happens on the day, but I can't see them deviating course with Epitome. Just, this, that's just her route now, isn't it? It's yeah. fighting fifth Christmas hurdle. The only possible change with Epitome is that you come to Leopardstown at Christmas time instead. That would be the only potential change just to keep her away from Constitutional if this is what you want to do. Because I'm going to stick to my mindset that Nikki wants to give two prep runs to Constitutional before Cheltenham. Mm. And here's what I will say. I think in the back of Nikki's mind, he's going to be looking at Cheltenham, as in the Beulah. And the reason I'm saying that is he mentioned unprompted to Mike Vince today in an interview on, on TalkSport that well, maybe Cheltenham will be good ground as well. So we should run in the fighting fifth. But the fact that he's even saying that means he's got one eye on that. So there's a possibility yeah. here that Nikki just decides, no, nah, I don't want any good in the description whatsoever <laughs> for Constitutional. So take him out. Epitant gets her, her spin um, as she bids for, for her third fighting fifth. And 
run him in the Beulah instead. Which is probably what he should do in the first place. But if he's fear- fearing that in December it's going to be good ground at Cheltenham, oh, well, we'll wait. Also, the proximity of that race to the Christmas hurdle at Kempton. And there's no more. Yeah. We succeeded. The contender's hurdle is no more. It's gone! <laughs> yes! Oh, well done. Stand down. Stand down. We love you. Great decision. Great decision. Years of campaigning have succeeded. So they can't run in that stupid race anymore. No. So it's probably going to be run him in the fighting fifth, then turn him out for the Christmas hurdle at Kempton, or run him in the fighting fifth, then run him in the Kingwell, and then it's Sheldon. Something along those lines. Anyway, is he going to win? I don't see any reason why he shouldn't win. He'll be a long odds on favourite again. Maybe not quite as long odds on as he would have been last week because I think Epiton is a better rival than, than Goshen for him, particularly in receipt of her mayor's allowance. He he should, look, if he wins and he's every bit as good as we think and hope he is, then he should win. He should win it comfortably. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's stepping out of novice company for the first time, isn't he? You shouldn't underestimate what a challenge that is for a, a still inexperienced horse. I don't think this is easy, but he's the most exciting horse in training. For all that I'm yeah. very lukewarm on him for the champion hurdle, the only reason I'm lukewarm on him is he's 5-4. to four. Doesn't interest me in the slightest. Um, but this is a great starting point for him. You know, whether his mark of 170 is deserved or not remains to be seen, and that will emerge more as the season goes on. But you're now taking on a former champion hurdle winner and an entry hurdle winner in Epiton. She's not bomb-proof, but boy, is she consistent. And she's tough. Yeah. And she she should be able to put a proper blow to him. She should be able to make him really work for this. It shouldn't be that he just breezes by everything and wins on the bridle. Maybe that's what's, what he's going to do. And if he does, my goodness, we're all going to be dreaming then. But this should be a battle. It should be, be tough. And in that sense, Epiton is interesting, but so is... So is Tommy's Oscar. The decision to abandon his novice chasing campaign, at least for now, is a very interesting one because he's won over fences and he's finished second mm. to a horse that I think could win the Arco in Banbridge. Um, and I, I'm sticking, sticking with that. I, I, I would much prefer to back Banbridge for the Arco than John Bon. That's seven to four, yeah. no thanks. Um, and the decision to go back hurdling with him, and he's declared... Stable's in great form. Danny McMenamin retains the ride. He's not going to get the the soft ground, but he won his novice chase on good. Uh, the champion hurdle was obviously a bridge way too far from, but he's he's also won on good soft ground. And these small field races, he's done very well in. He's he's a very interesting contender as well. Yeah, and when you look at the race through the prism of time form ratings, he's actually only rated a couple of pounds below Epiton. Yes, he's got to give her weight, of course, by didn't that she's a, a mare and he's a gelding. But in terms of of natural ability, there's not a great deal between them. And he's what what stands him in really good stead is he's such a strong traveller, isn't he? Mm. He travels really well. And his jumping is fluent as well. Yeah. There's a lot to like about him and I think twenty fives is the general price about him as we record. Um you're going to get a hefty Rule 4 if Constitution Hill comes out. Oh, dear. 
but you've got a chance. I wouldn't put anybody off that. I would probably just about side with Epiton, just because she's proven, and this is a step into open company, and it's going to be a small field. Maybe things won't go Constitution Hill's way. Um, but you want to see him win, and you want to see him win well for the dream to be alive. So I, I hope he does win it. But I, I am tempted to back Epitant for all that I'm almost certainly not going to. But if she was to drift out to some crazy price, I, I think she can run well. And I don't think it's above the realms of possibility that Tommy's Oscar runs a big race. Um, all due respect to Not So Sleepy, it depends on what side of the bed he gets out on. Um, <laughs> you know, he's he won last year as well. Like, it was a dead heat. So if he... And Johnny Burke is in tremendous form. So if he rocks up in, in good form, then maybe. But... All eyes on Constitution Hill. This is a better test than Ascot, with all due respect to Goshen and Bruno Storm. It's a better test to be taking on the reigning Aintree Hurdle winner and last year's champion hurdle runner-up in Epiton. We'll, we'll learn more about him. Um, mm. I'm very interested to see how it plays out, but would you back against him? No. Yeah. Um, simply because, I mean, you know me, I'm a, I'm a figures guy. Um, and when I see a horse run the sort of time figure that Constitution Hill ran at Cheltenham. That was it was it was eye popping. He got a, on time form ratings. He got a hundred and seventy eight time figure for that run. You've got to be a very very special horse to be able to run that kind of time figure. That tells me, in terms of raw ability. He is as good as anything we might have seen in the last five or six, maybe ten years. But as you say, and I fully appreciate that he's got to go and prove it in open company, hasn't he? But purely based on that time figure, the performance itself at Cheltenham, I wouldn't be in a rush to take him on. I think he could be just a very, very special horse. Yep. I agree. Overall, I agree. Look, he is the most exciting jumper in training let him run if the ground is safe let him run Nicky come on and uh, and let's see what he can do but I think Epitant does pose and Tommy's Oscar for the matter I think they both serve as a, as a really good test for him so if he can brush those aside easily then oof, the dream is very much alive right first race is the 120 it's live on ITV3 it's the Sir Peter O'Sullivan Memorial Handicap Chase and uh, last year's winner a dual winner of the race cap course for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden in the famous silks of Sir Peter O'Sullivan now owned by J.P. McManus is the 7-2 favourite Killer Kane 9-2 Mr. Coffee 13-2 Dublin 4 is uh, currently a 7-1 to one shot and the horse that I like for this Tom George and Tom Scudamore's Java Point is 10s take it away my friend what do you think? Yeah, I thought this was a, a really interesting handicap to kick us off, to be honest. Um, plenty in with chances. Java Point, as you mentioned, fully, fully respected. Given his record fresh, though, I'm going to side with the uh, Machine, or the Machine, who was a winner at Utoxeter when we last saw him in May. He's proven off longish breaks. I think he's still a relatively well-handicapped horse off 140. He's come in, this will be his uh, second run on the back of a wind up. And often, um, you talk to um, Amy Ryan about this 
quite often when we used to do uh, racing TV shifts together. She thinks horses often improve second off a wind-up. Now, bear in mind, the machine won when he was running first off a wind-up last time. The fact that he's come in second off a wind-up means there could be even more to come. And her reason, and she's obviously, she deals with horses day in and day out working for, for her dad at the stables there. She said sometimes when a horse has had its wind tinkered with, it can just take him a run to get that confidence that they can that they can breathe again. Mm. And you can often see big improvement, second start after a wind-up. And if that's the case with Dean Machine, he won last time. There could be plenty more to come. I think he's still, yes, he's got joint top weight in here, but I still think a mark of 140 has some leeway in it. I like that logic and I like that thought process so much so it might actually pull me away from Java Point. So if Java Point ends up going winning the race, I'm coming back for you, my son. Um, we'll switch to the 155 at Newbury, which is the Carl Racing Club Handicap Hurdle. Uh, walking on air for Nicky Anderson and Doreen Tabor, uh, James Bowen on board, and 11-4 to four shot, West Balboa for the Skeleton, 7-2, to two. Peking Rose for Fergal O'Brien, 5s, and current mood for Evan Williams is a 10s shot. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, when I went through this race earlier, um, my selection, walking on air, he was quite a bit bigger than he is now. Now, this is a horse who, in an anti-post column for Betfair last season, I put up to win the Ballymore, after his run at Newbury, and of course, I'm not surprised. That was, missed an, that. that was an incredibly impressive performance. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Yeah, he, he was very impressive, wasn't he? He ended up missing the Ballymore. I just don't think he was right at Aintree last time, to be honest. I thought he was weak in the betting. Um, he still looked green. He pulled quite hard. He made mistakes. That, for me, that just wasn't him. I'm prepared to strike a line completely through that run at Aintree and if he's got half the potential that he looked like he had when he won at this track the time before oh, a mark of 132 could underestimate this horse by a long long way yeah I don't disagree with that at all um, I'm not surprised to see a bit of support coming in for him and obviously Nico would be on board were not for the fact that he's going to Newcastle or is he uh <laughs> <laughs> as, as things stand, he very much is. Uh, but yeah, the hype was real about this fella last year. Like there was a, a lot of talk about him for his bumper. He's clearly been difficult because he only had one run on a bumper, and that was in March of 2021, and then didn't run again until the novice hurdle in January of this year. And then he's obviously missed Cheltenham. I I had heard the, some negative vibes about his work. Something wasn't right with him. And um, Aintree was just a little bit too much for him. And look, he was taking on proven grade one contenders that day, but nobody wanted him in the market. This is softer. It's a handicap. It's even significant that he's running in a handicap. 
So I, I would be very intrigued with him and I would have very little interest in, in looking elsewhere. Um, I think Walking on Earth yeah. really, really stands out. Um, I, I don't think, if he'd been allotted a mark a fair bit higher than 132, I don't think we'd be seeing him in this sort of race. But I think that mark of 132 is clearly just too tempting for them not to have a stab at a race like this before yeah. presumably going going up in grade. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Uh, we'll move on to the 230 at uh, Newbury. This is the Intermediate Handicap Hurdle. Uh, I I was hoping we were going to get to see the Venetia Williams horse. I had to eat humble pie on Monday's show. I think it was even put in as the headline of the podcast as well. Uh, because first of all, Venetia Williams, well done to you with your winners at Venetia. Um, oh, dear me, that, that humble pie still tastes vile. Um, and uh, Protectorat slapped me right in the face. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. So, yeah, plenty of humble pie was consumed. But I kind of thought Digello might turn up again. I'm glad that he isn't because he would have been a red-hot favourite and you're turning him up six days after he bolted up um, at Exeter. He's got a very bright future, but he was in this race and he's been taken out. Uh, so Picard is now the 3-1 to favourite. First Street for Nicky Henderson and James Bowen is a 16-5 to shot. 16-5? to What is all this about? Uh, Teddy Blue for Gary Moore, who had... Horse, a horse beaten 100 lengths today and two winners. A mixed bag of a day for, for Gary. Uh, Teddy Blue is 9-2. to two, A theatre glory for Nicky and um, Nathan Brennan t- taking seven off. And Paul Nichols uh, has got a couple of runners in here as well. Uh, where are you looking for the 230? Yeah, apart from that horse beaten 100 lengths, Gary Moore's team have generally been in good form, haven't they? Ridiculous. I think he's winning 20% strike rate or something in the last fortnight. So I was keen on Teddy Blue, I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker in these two-mile hurdles for horses that were decent on the flat. And Teddy Blue was quite useful for Francis Graffard in France. And he won, look, he was odds on last time, and, and he won a race in the manner that he should have won it by 20 lengths. I think, just looking at that, I think, the handicappers probably struggled to sort of put a, a figure on that, really. And he was a, he was rated 134 when he ran at Cheltenham in March. He was dropped to 132 for his Kempton comeback. He's now off 129. He was rated 129 going into that maiden hurdle last time. So the handicapper hasn't tinkered with his mark for that 20-length win. That could be a mistake, in my view. I think there's plenty more to come from this lad. Albeit, this is this is an intriguing race, isn't it? There's, there, there are very few, if any, of these you can rule out. Everything's coming into it, by and large, in good form. Yeah, uh, I'm very intrigued with Theatre Glory. And I'm almost certainly backing her. Uh, for all that you've made a very good case for Teddy Blue, Nicky Anderson has won this race four times in the last 10 years, including twice in the last three, Epitant being one of those horses. Um, her only defeat in her career was this meeting last year, and she ran pretty well. She was she finished third. Now, she was beaten 14 lengths, but still, she got third place. Uh, since then, she's been a very impressive winner at Cheltenham, went long odds on. Uh, prior to that, she'd bolted up at Kelso, and very clearly the handicapper hasn't taken any chances, but given 
Nikki's record in the race, given the ability that she's shown, how impressive she has been in her last couple of starts in particular, last three really, I think with Nathan taking seven pounds off, she will, she'll take the beating. And I suspect there are bigger days ahead for her, much bigger things. So theatre glory is who I'm going for. But that comes with a big asterisk beside Teddy Blue's name. And this brings us to the feature race of the day. For all that we're very excited to see Constitution Hill back, the big race is the Hennessy. Also known now as the Coral Gold Cup. But it's always going to be the Hennessy to Mark Milligan and I and to you, Final Forum Podcast listeners. So the Coral Gold Cup, uh, damn it. The Hennessy Gold Cup betting. I'm becoming too corporate. It's because of the new sponsor kicking in next week. I'm becoming way too corporate. Lemilos for the Skeletons, 13-2. to two. Corrick Rambler, a 7-1 to one shot for Lucinda Russell and Derek Fox. David Pipes remastered, who was so unlucky. He had this race by the balls last year and came down. Uh, I'm convinced he would have won it. Back for more, second run after a wind up. Apparently that's a good thing. Um, we know, we know. But good to hear that Amy is a, a big fan of that. And uh, he's a 7-1 to one shot. And shorter than his stable companion, who Tom Scudamore has chosen, is Jericho Rock, an eight to one shot and well supported from tens this morning, with Tom choosing to ride him. Uh, shorter again is Adrian Heskins Mount, three hundred through five, who has first time cheek pieces for the master of this race, Paul Nichols. Oscar Elite goes for Harry Cobden, who I spoke to yesterday for Talksport. That is available on the podcast, Final Forum Podcast feed as well. If you want to listen to it, he has some very interesting things to say. Uh, and writing him for Joe Tizard, a 17-2 shot. Fiddler on the roof for, for Joe is also a 9-1 shot. And then we got Our Power for Sam Thomas, who was really good at Ascot. We talked about him after that with a view to this race, and he's currently an 11-1 shot. This is a proper renewal of the Hennessy. It's a proper Saturday handicap to get excited about. 16 runners, each way betting 50... Fifth of the odds, five places. There's a lot to be excited about here. Who are you siding with, Mark Milligan? Oh, there is a lot to be excited about. I'm going to show my age here. Do you know the first Hennessy winner I remember watching? Go on. Borough Hill Lad, 1984. Was, John Frank. I was two. <laughs> I, was, I was only 12. 11, sorry, even. But I used to get um, those review videos that, that I think they were done by Ladbrooks and Scott presented them. I used to get those for Christmas every year. So was, it, was this the videos of horses winning? Because that wasn't yeah, available. Yeah, used to get, yeah, you used to get a, like a season review used to come out on VHS every year at the end of the year and it had a review of the flat and um, the jumps for that particular year. I think, I think they're still in my mum and dad's attic somewhere they were brilliant and the, the very first Hennessy I saw was on one of those videos it was Lad winning under John Franken and, and what, a, what a good horse he was anyway I'm going off on a tangent <laughs> but obviously we've seen Burrill Lad the likes of one man uh, Denman himself win this race a couple of times it's got a storied role of honour hasn't it this race and like you say, this is a, a proper renewal. We're not. We're probably not going to see anything of the the quality of a Denman or a Borough Hill lad. But this is a really, really competitive renewal of the a nod to the sponsors, the Coral Hennessy Gold Cup. I'm going to call it. And I like Lamilos in here going second time for Dan Skelton. He just looked uh, an improved model 
when he won first time for the Skeltons on his first run at Bangor last time. Gets a £4 penalty in here, which I think probably still leaves him really well-treated. He just looks really, really progressive, and he's the right sort of age for me as a seven-year-old. You, look, when I was going through this race, there was any number of ways that I could have jumped. I had a long look at Bustleton and a long look at three under through five, um, Corrett Rambler. You can make cases for plenty of them. Hopefully, all 16 stay in for the, the each way purposes, but I, I do like Lamilos in here, and he'll be my selection, albeit, you know, tentatively with a nod to any number three, four, five, who could put it up to him. I think David Pipe has this race by the short and curlies again. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The question is, which of the two do you go for? And I'm going to say you should go for Jericho Rock. Scudamore has chosen him. David Noonan was on board remastered at Aintree, but that was in a handicap hurdle race. I'm sure it was a, a big decision for Tom to decide who to go with. Mm. And it's significant that he's chosen Jericho Rock. When I spoke to David for the stable tour, he was very bullish about Jericho Rock this season. Like when we were talking about what they were going to do with him, this was the first target mentioned. And he was essentially saying, well, it wasn't not essentially, he basically said that he'd be disappointed if they're going back to the Ultima. And he shouldn't be anywhere near the mark that he is now. And sounded reasonably bullish about this. Now, he was disappointing at entry. No getting away from that. But if you're going to run him over hurdles, you're clearly getting him ready. Crucially, second run after yeah. a wind-up as well. And he was he didn't win over fences, but he was never out of the first three. And that run against Carrick Rambler, who he's now better off with at Cheltenham, was huge. That was a huge performance. And yeah, I'm I'm still feeling the effects of that because I was on him. I was up to my eyeballs on him that day. But he ran a blinder. It did, did me very proud. There's a big race in this fella. And David is in good form, not as in red-hot form as he was a couple of weeks ago. Like that time when, when Remastered had won uh, and there was a few others that come out on their seasonal debuts and won as well. He was. It just seemed as though anything he could run would, was winning. But he had a double today. The art is in really good form. And when they target a big race, it's not often they get it wrong. So I'm reasonably bullish about Jericho Rock here. 
as, as bullish as he can be about a horse who hasn't yet won yet over fences. Um, I love the fact that Scudamore is sticking with him. I wouldn't be put off by remastered at all. And I think I have to, if it's splitting stakes, it's probably 60-40 percentage-wise in favor of Jericho Rock and then 40% goes on remastered with a reverse forecast on both. And the reason for that is he had this race won last year. It was way too far out when he fell, who knows, but he was cruising, absolutely cruising. And I think the official line is he had every chance when falling four out. That was a brutal fall. That was a mother and father of a fall. We were talking about it today on TalkSport, and I did think he was a goner. And thankfully he got up. And it's it's not that surprising that on his next three starts, he was bitterly disappointing. He probably was just, probably just had the confidence knocked out of him. That was really impressive at Aintree the other day. Very impressive. Uh, reverting back to hurdles and winning as impressively as he did, he'll come on for that. And if he's able to replicate what he did last year, then he's going to be very, very close. So I don't think he should be sevens. I think Jericho Rock should be sevens. Um, I would prefer a bigger price about Remastered. And I wonder if this market is going to course correct with Tom Scudamore on Jericho Rock. But I'm, I'm pretty bullish about Jericho Rock. I can't knock him out of the first five with a mallet. I think he's got a, a massive each-way chance, and he, therefore he is the scumbag each-way nap of the weekend. But you'd have to have something... You'd have to save something on Remastered, um, even if it's just covering your stake with Jericho Rock, in case he was managed to, to pop up and run a big race. And, and he certainly can. He can place at least, but I think this race suits up, sets up perfectly for Jericho Rock to break his duck over fences. And when it comes to Cheltenham, then... Hopefully, National Hunt Chase will be more his bag as opposed to going back for the ultimate. Uh, so Jericho Rock for me. I, I absolutely see that. He, look, he didn't win over fences last year, did he? But he faced some, for, uh, for a novice, he faced some really tough company yeah. last year, didn't he? And he didn't, he, he barely put a foot wrong. He was second four times. He increased his handicap mark from 124 to 139. He's absolutely in the mix, and he's still relatively low mileage, isn't he? So he's I can, only, he's I only can six. absolutely see that. Yeah, he's only six. He has had two wind ups, which I'm never a big fan of. I don't like seeing mm. that too much when you have to tw- tweak with the wind so much. It can be a little bit worrying. But um, perhaps the second wind up will give him that extra bit of momentum needed um, on the back of his first run that he'll be able to breathe easier. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of myself as an asthm- as an asthmatic trying to chase mm. down a ball in a football match. And I'm like, <laughs> as, as a kid. Uh, and, and then once you've had a burst of the inhaler, it's just being able to run like Cristiano Ronaldo all day long. Um, I, I really like him for this race. I, I, I like his his prospects massively for this. Uh, I, I would not put anybody off remastered. I think he's going to run a big race too, but this this race just suits up, sets up and suits Jericho Rock perfectly, in my humble opinion. Um, we were taking on Lompresse last week and mm. he ended up not running and the horse that we took him on with was then 7-2 to two on for a match race and got one of the worst rides of all time. Hey, David, you're entitled to do whatever you want, my man. Uh, you've got... You're disgustingly rich. Do whatever you want, my friend. But, um, oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, 
Lompresse is back. Uh, as things stand, this could very well be a case of, should we just roll that theme again? Will she? Won't she? Because same ground concerns apply to Lompresse, who came out of Ascot. Uh, 11 to 8 is the current price. Into Overdrive for Mark Walford and Jamie Hamilton is a four shot. Are you right? 9 to 2. Happy Go Lucky, 11 to 2. Dingo Dollar, an old favourite of the show, is 8. Um, I'm not as inclined to take him on this week as I was last week. Um, but I'm also not 100% convinced that he's going to run. Interesting, isn't it? I think this race has a similar kind of shape to it from a, a punting perspective as last week's did, in that Lompresse has got to give lumps and lumps of weight away to a progressive rival, and that progressive rival is into, into overdrive. overdrive. Thought so. Thought so. He's he's won his last four starts. He's been impressive in all of them. He's really, really progressive. He's still only seven years old. On a stiff track, on ground that could well be testing if they're throwing plenty of water on it, he's got a big, big chance of upsetting Long Presser here in, in receipt of nearly two stone. And, and at the prices, this is just, just a bit of a no-brainer for me, I think. It's a lot of weight to be getting. And it's Long Presser's first run of the season, so into overdrive comes in race fit as well um four to one versus 11 to eight i'm not going to disagree at all with my esteemed colleague i think it's a good shout um 340 at newbury our last race of the day my friends so amarillo sky is the six to four favorite for the tizard team with brendan powell on board uh chris gordon's only money is fours for the skeleton six to one Bondoran is a 13 to two shot right what's your view on the 340 at Newbury how are we going to shoot the lights out in the lucky last yeah I thought this was Amarillo Sky's race to lose to be honest he finished last season a bit in the doldrums but he faced some stiff stiff company didn't he and he beat Fugitive on his comeback at Cheltenham earlier this month I think a mark of 144 I think there's still some legs in that he's I don't think he's going to be but he's not a massive price have we got betting did you go through the six to four yeah six to four it's not a huge price but I I, to be honest I wasn't in any great rush to to take him on I think if he turns up with the same sort of performance he showed a couple of weeks ago I think he'll take all the beating in here yeah I covered that race on TalkSport he was very impressive very impressive. Um, I think I backed the Glancing Queen. Oh dear, that didn't go to plan at all. Um, but he was he was exceptionally exceptionally good. Um, it was a, a really powerful stuff, a powerful performance. Why are my mouth words completely failing me? What's going on? I know I've been up since seven a.m. and recording for most of the day, but still, for the final Furlong podcast, Posse should be able to bring the goods here. What's going on? I'll take another sip of coffee in a second as we come to the end of the show. But I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think he's going to take an awful lot of beating, and um, and I suspect that he is going to be the the lucky la- the one to shoot the lights out in the lucky last. I don't really have any aspirations to take him on whatsoever. I've, I've looked at this field several times. I can't warm to anything else in it. So he's going to be the banker leg of uh, a lucky sixty three of some concoction on Saturday. Um, anything else? Any other business that we should mention before we get to best bets? Um, no. 
No. I can't really. I, I think, I'd, assuming people are listening to this before um, Friday or Friday morning, some really interesting horses returning at Newbury on Friday, isn't there? Yeah. Um, the likes of Champ um, and Stage Star makes his second start over fences. So uh, keep an eye. Keep an eye on Newbie on Friday. Some good stuff there, which we haven't had time to go into today. No, uh, but there's some very, very good horses in action uh, at Newbury tomorrow. There's a really interesting maiden hurdle. Did you see any racing today, Benny Jans? Apart from the one race that I've been reporting on uh, from Kelso, and I've seen very, very little else. I suspect that Gary Moore has unearthed another star. At Linkfield, a horse called Givega, who is was entered for that maiden hurdle on Friday as well, and had been declared for it, but obviously that's not going to happen now. He's going to come out of that because he's run today, and he was wildly impressive, wildly impressive. Thirteen lengths. I'm just looking at it just now. the thirteen on awful ground. Mm. Like that was pretty shocking ground today. Um, he's an Irish point-to-point winner and is related, he's a half-brother to a listed winner in France, Flip de Vega. There's a lot to like about that performance, an awful lot to like about it. Um, he's not getting any younger. He'll be turning seven in the new year, but I think that Gary, mm. Gary and Jamie Moore are going to have some fun with that fellow, so keep an eye out on him. Uh, in that race, you're left with Jet Powered and Itak Blue. I, I would be very in, very engaged in both of those horses. Uh, they cost a fortune. Jet-powered jet cost £350,000 of the King's finest sovereigns. Itak Blue, 310000 of the King's finest sovereigns. So, still seems sounds strange saying King and not Queen. Anyway, uh, Jet-powered has had a wind up for Nicky Henderson. Uh, they're both making their debuts. Uh, Itak Blue is trained by Dan Skelton. Both very very interesting in my view. Uh, the other horse that I thought was was intriguing tomorrow, uh, obviously Stage Star, we want to keep a big eye out on him, uh, but a £305,000 purchase for Paul Nichols, Stay Away, Stay Away Faye, which was the mm. name of our of our fox, who unfortunately has, has now uh, passed away. Um, well, what a what an absolute hero um, uh, the, the fox is where. We still have two coming here. Uh, two younger foxes. But, um, yeah, Faye, uh, Stay Away Faye is going to be a, a very intriguing runner. Uh, very exciting recruit for the Nichols team. Well-touted as well. So, taking on a seemingly... Is he? Go on. Sorry, Russian ruler. He's going to test mm. him, isn't he? So, it's it's, it's not a gimme. No, race. God, no. No, 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 no. no. We'll, we'll learn an awful lot more about, about both of those horses. But, it's probably a watching brief, but if he continues to drift, I'm not so sure that that's the right move. Like we've seen a big market move, I say big market move. It's it's the night before market. Who the hell knows? You could have a fiver and move these markets if you wanted. Um, it's all a bit of a joke. But the Henderson horse has gone eleven to four to nine to four. Stay away, Faye has gone eleven to eight to five to two. Now the bigger he gets, the more inclined I would be to back him. First time tongue tie, first time wind up. Typical Nichols. There's there's a lot to like about him. Uh, stage star, obviously. I mean, we're going to be talking about him on Monday. It was very impressive first time up. And he, he's he got no easy task, has he? Because Beauport mm-hmm. was... Although he only won by half a length at Carlisle 
last time. I thought there was plenty to like about that. So again, stage star should should get a, a proper test here, but he, he looked impressive, didn't he? Yes, he did. He did. No, there's, that's a fair point to make as well, that it's it's not a gimme given the fact that uh, Beauport is in there. And I know that you could argue he was weighted to beat right, the rival to the last day, but he was coming in with no chasing experience. Um, did he have one run over fences that was a bit of a disaster? Was that it? Yeah, I think, I think he might have done. Just he had one run over fences that was kind of a bit of nothing last season from memory. And this, I'm remembering this just from the review of the race. Uh, no, it's all hurdles. Yeah, all hurdles. Yeah, so he just threw him in. Yeah. <laughs> so he threw him into an obvious yeah. chase for the first time of asking and he goes and wins uh, like that's yeah. against experienced rivals that's not something to to dismiss at all um, so yeah it's not going to be easy for stage star but I'd, I'd be a little bit disappointed if he was beaten I think he's a very very exciting prospect uh, and again Harry Cobden speaks about him on that final front podcast special and Shearer is back for more so hopefully there'll be another one hand in the air uh, Shearer style celebration he gets back to form because that was that was brutal at Cheltenham but the market spoke for him so heavily um, and Champ Paisley Park I mean it's great to see these old boys back again uh, and we get to see a bit more of them so yeah let's, let's see how that pans out uh, that's the 3.05 and again that's a race that we'll be talking about on the on the Friday Saturday we're not going to have Fasal Vega the good news is though that hopefully we're going to have Fasal Vega for Fairy House and we will be doing for the third year in a row, a fairy house special with some big guns. Some of the biggest names in racing are back on the final furlong next week. We're coming in hot with that. New sponsors, big name guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Lucia, she's out at 12.15, Newbury on Saturday. Gilo Bello was mentioned by Harry Cobden as a horse that he was hoping would win on Saturday. So, Better mention him. He's about a two-to-one shot. Uh, and there's a couple running at Newcastle. Uh, Sergeant Wilson in the 245. Keep a very close eye on that horse for Daryl Jacob. Um, I'm very, very interested in him. Uh, and we're going to see Journey With Me and Falcano take each other on in Gorn Park. Uh, I was going to go... To, I might still go to Gorn. But Fasal Vega coming out, the thunder and lightning today... And the heavy ground is probably making me go, well, I'm not so sure. Uh, but Falcano versus Journey with me in the 12 o'clock. And we've got Imagine, who was, who I like this horse a lot. Uh, Imagine in the 140 at Gorn taking on Spanish Harlem. Uh, Jack Kennedy on board. I thought he ran a really nice race um, at Navin the last day. And I would expect him to to take some beating. But we'll, we'll see how all of that pans out. Uh, right, that's what that's any other business, essentially, for, for the weekend. There's some good horses running on, on Sunday, too. By the way, American Mike is still in. At Navin. Don't know if he's going to take his chance, but be pretty cool if he does. Um, so, yeah, there's some, plenty of good horses to be excited about this weekend. Plenty of, of good action. Hopefully there's nothing crazy like Nicky's multitude of non-runners to, to try and take away from the weekend. Uh, what is the best bet of the weekend for Mark Milligan? Given that I was so keen on him for Cheltenham and that I think he's a seriously well-handicapped horse, I'm going to go for walking on air, the 155 at Newbury. Let's go. And my scumbag each way nap of the meeting of the weekend is Jericho Rock. Go hard or go home. So have an Uber for me on standby, please. Thanks very much, because it might very well be... It might be Tesco noodles for the week, but um, Jericho Rock. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I'm 
ridiculously bullish. All right, that is it. We are back again next week. Again, big guests on the show on Wednesday. We'll look back at it all on Monday. We still have the Bloodstock special with Laura Joy to come out. That is a treat to listen to. You're going to enjoy it. But um, a few things have gotten in the way, but it will come out this weekend. uh, And hopefully the gravy will be flowing from Mark and myself. We're back with you again on Thursday. Till then, Mark Milligan. Goodbye. Thank you very much, my friend. And thank you for listening. Remember to give us a like on social media, retweet, share, and a five-star rating on your favorite Apple podcast app, Spotify, whichever podcast app it is you're using. I I tried to say favorite podcast app and then ended up with favorite Apple podcast app. Deary me. So uh, in order to fix my mouth words, give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast app it is that you listen to us on. Just helps the algorithm. It's been an enormous year for the final furlong. Uh, our most listened to year so far, and that means a huge amount to me. So thank you very much to everybody for the support. It means the world, and um, we'll endeavor to keep bringing you great content and uh, more competitions next week as well. For Mark Milligan and myself, be safe, be well, enjoy your weekend, bring on the gravy. Come on, Jericho Rock! Talk to you soon, be safe. <laughs>